0: Welcome to the Arts Report, Wednesday, February 27th, at 6 after 5 in the evening. Today on the Arts Report, we have uh, Sarah Lapsley will be in later today to talk about text-text type at the Black and Yellow Gallery. Uh, We'll give away some tickets to chutzpah and maybe hear a little bit more uh, from my interview with Sidra Bell, which you can also find online in our Mixcloud.com. We'll hear an interview with the star of Tumit from the Talking Stick Festival. First up at the top, what future... What Future is a series running from January 25th to May 4th at Unit Pit Projects. It's curated by Keith Higgins and C-Swiss. And uh, they have put together a collection of five interconnected shows which explore the notions of future and past. It's actually a sequel to the project Ill Repute in 2011 when they were looking at the wrong side of history. And one thing that Keith and Cease talked about in the Lost Interview, as I like to call it, um, they talked a little bit about how in ill repute. Uh, the guests that Keith Higgins curated uh, talked about the history of the locality of Vancouver, while the Indigenous artists the Cease worked with uh, talked about quite a bit longer of a history uh, throughout the Lower Mainland. And now we have the reverse we have uh, a collection of artists looking at um, someone right from the downtown east side whose future may be up in the air all the way through to an artist who uh, has transmitted her work into space now first up i just want to talk a little bit about pjs collective before i'm done this is running through next week, and started on January 25th when I was at the opening. PJS Collective is John Walker Green, the artist, as well as Skylar Stock and Paul Lang, and is curated by Cease Voice. It opened on Friday as part of the series What Future, and it's a conversation between these three men through carving, drawing, and photography, as well as video. Now, uh, John Walker Green is a resident of the downtown east side, and he is also uh, a traditional storyteller, and he has a history of a people within him. And this was an opportunity for him to showcase his work, but also to showcase a conversation that isn't normally seen or heard. Uh, Usually work is presented in its finished form, and we don't necessarily get an insight into what people's process are, not just artistically, but also personally. Skylar Stock is an artist and a local business owner. He uh, owns Vintage, and you can check him out online. Uh, his friendship began uh, when uh, one of his stores in the downtown east side, John, would uh, start frequenting, and they started having lunch every Saturday. And then Paul Lang is a local videographer um, who's been working with artists for over 24 years and he's been an observer of this friendship and he wanted to talk to John about documenting his stories. So he has a, a video clip as well uh, of the stories and traditional dances of John's people. Now, um, one of the things that Cease and I talked about was the fact that uh, this is an example of not just someone whose future moves day to day but also someone who uh, is the future of the Downtown side with his work and also is bringing traditional storytelling into the future. So, uh, that was something that is uh, very localized. Uh, At the opening, I got a chance to speak with Skylar Stock and Paul Lang and uh, we'll hear a few minutes from Skyler first talking about how he met John and how their relationship developed.
1: I've known John for a lot of years and and John and I our relationship is kind of a very unconventional relationship he kind of you know he showed up at my shop one day and um, wanted to do some window cleaning, and I just said, you know what, I'm going for lunch, join me. And I didn't know John from anything. I just, you know, he looked like he was a little down on out that day. And uh, I said, you know, hey, I'm around every Saturday if you want to come and I go for lunch. And you know what, ever since then, I think I've taken him for lunch almost every Saturday for eight years. We've kind of formed this friendship based on, you know, hey, we went out for lunch, and we hung out, and I'd buy him a pack of smokes, and he's an amazing storyteller. And he's told me so many stories of, like, you know, years, years and years I've gotten these stories from John of, like, the eagles and, the you know, the whales and all these different stories and his relationship and to all the, uh, to nature and all that kind of stuff. And I, I find it really amazing. And a while back I asked John if I could record him or while we're, and he's like, absolutely, and he's excited about it. For me, what happened... To even get this show together was just, just the powers of be. You know, like Cece is my friend, and she, you know, like just a few things kind of fell into place. And she said, you know what, you have an amazing collection of his work, the, of the years of him, like going, hey, I made you something. Yeah. I did this, and and it's not to say that I wouldn't buy his work. It just he's gifted me every, like everything I got, and it's just, and I'm like, hey, you know, if you want to sell it, sell it. And he's like, no, 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 I want to give it to you. And then he tells me some great story, and then I bring it home. And
0: do you think that that's? you know, an example of allowing people to give what they have
1: to give. I think that's what our relationship is. Like and that's the real unconventional um premise of our relationship. Which is kind of amazing. You know, we have a real I think we have a real honest connection and a real, you know, true friendship that is not like, you know, the friend that I go to a movie with or a friend that I go for dinner with. You know, him and I have a real deep friendship that goes beyond that in some sense and it's not about what he has for me or what I have for him. Um, but yet we have, you know, we give each other a lot. It's kind of crazy. It's really neat.
0: Yeah. yeah. Um, is there anything about John that the, the videos or the photos revealed that you didn't expect even knowing him so well? Or, or the, is there anything that if it wasn't surprising was, you know, might be surprising to others?
1: I, you know, even with the photos, I have... when I asked him to do photos and I said, hey, can I do some, you know, if we do, you know, I want to do a show and I was going to do some photos. I have literally hundreds and hundreds of photos of John. I, you know, and he's like, yeah, let's do it. No problem. And I, you know, and I really, you know, I thought, hey, let's take a bunch and a ton. And that way, you know, I can really, we can narrow it down as to, and I think when I, the photos I chose of John, I, it was, it was a little bit of that. It was kind of like, hey, you know, like this is, I wanted to kind of see what people see what I see sometimes, you know, just the honesty or that, you know, the kind of the honest. I want, you know, I don't know what it is. About the, yeah, it kind of is. I think I just wanted to, I wanted to be somewhat natural as I see it or as I see him, not posed or not any of that stuff. Unguarded. Know? Yeah.
0: And that was Skyler talking a little bit about his friendship. With John, And there's a series of portraits of John um, which show him working on a piece but also approaching the camera and interacting with the camera. And I think that um, is not just a representation of his work in process, but his interaction with the other parts of being an artist. The public, of exposing yourself, and of being captured to a certain degree on film. Now, I also got a chance, and these are both outside the Unit Pit Gallery on Punder, um, which you should check out. And uh, this was just outside um, after watching the film that they put together. And Paul Lang talks a little bit here about John's history, his people, and how he put together a, a film
1: that is playing on a loop at the Unit Pit Gallery. I've known John for a lot of years, and and John and I, our relationship is kind of...
2: I first met John through a film that I programmed at the Vancouver Film Festival. It was a documentary about his story, and so you, as an audience member, you have this really rare privileged to investigate, you know, someone's lives, and it was a, a story about John getting his traditional name, his qu- relationship to his Kwakwaka'wakw ancestors, and how he was raised in a foster home in in White Rock. Then years go by, and I have the privilege of running into him down here, mm-hmm. and uh, and he doesn't know me from he doesn't know who I am. He doesn't know that I actually do have this this whole other relationship. You know, you know that ex- only exists in my head, in the space of a theater. You know that happened four years ago, but oh my God, I know, I know who you are, and with that, you can't turn your back on somebody who, uh, when, you, when you know their story and you know who the, who he is. Mm-hmm. He doesn't know me, so I was like, okay, you tell me a story, and you know, I'll I'll pay you for the story that you tell me, mm-hmm. and so our relationship. Uh, um, started on that, you know, reciprocal and, uh, you know, so it's the audience and it's the storyteller and it's seizing the opportunity to hear these great stories that that John has.
0: Now, the theme of the exhibit and the the theme of kind of the, the relationship is before I'm done. Now, I interpret that as both applying to the fact that we're getting peeked into John's work as it unfolds which is rare in any situation but also is this a, is this a reference to personal development of the three of you as well
2: Those are the real rare uh, experiences that we look for as artists that uh, help elevate each other in in their in our lives it, yeah it's a really good thing
0: What are we seeing in the video
2: In the video you see the, a portrait of an artist it is John actually painting one of the figures in his stories. He's on the ground, and this is the where John works. And so you get a really uh, rare privilege of looking at an artist creating work, and an artist in in the studio that that, that he can uh, manage. And he shares uh, a traditional story. Intercut with that is a black and white uh, archival film that can be. Uh, accessed from the Prelinger archive. It's a 1951 archive of traditional dancing from John's territory. So we see this uh, old and then we see the holder of the old traditional uh, knowledge. And uh, that's John. This is uh, one set of people, this is how the stories were passed on and now John is passing on his stories.
0: And that was paul lang speaking a little bit about the video portion of pjs collective before i'm done which is running from uh, january 25th to march 8th so you still have a couple more weeks to go down and check it out um and uh that is curated by c swiss who is a, a squamish artist uh, and part of uh, and media worker in uh, vancouver and she is also a part of the uh, the village of Slefan in north vancouver and a past recipient of the vancouver mayor's arts award among many other honors Um, the third project in this series so we're skipping one for a moment uh, that is opening on march 8th is also kelly roulette traditional road warriors and this is a commission by Cis. Of uh, artist uh, Kelly Roulette, talking about the inner struggle of uh, in Native and indigenous people living on in the downtown side and in inner city streets. Um, there is a darkness to these, uh, and <laughs> apparently, according to uh, cease originally when they were talking, Kelly was thinking no future. And in fact, the question it's a question or a statement, what future? And so there is a darkness, um, but as well, uh, there's a color to it and a rich cultural background. Uh, Killy Roulette is Ojibwe from Long Plain and First Nation in Manitoba, and she's been an artist for 20 years. um, And she's lived all sorts of different lives in Vancouver. So uh, that will be an exciting thing to uh, witness um, from March 8th till April 27th, 2013 at the Unit Pit Gallery. And What Future also features two more sections um, by Susanna Brown and one by Kevin Murphy. Susanna Brown uh, is currently, from February 22nd to April 27th, uh, the Unipit is... Projecting something into space, a perfect day. And we have uh, Keith Higgins on the line, who is the executive director of Unit Pit, uh, as well as uh, the curator of this exhibit. And uh, he is on the line to tell us a little bit about um, what this wor- work represents in terms of what future. Keith, are you there?
3: Hi, Megan. Can you hear me?
0: Absolutely. Thanks
3: so much oh, for joining that's us. Good. <laughs>
0: Um, can you maybe give us uh, a little bit of insight into uh, the project, What Future?, and um, tell us a little bit about Susanna Brown's A Perfect Day.
3: The overall project, What Future?, was based actually on a commissioning series we did in uh, 2011 called The Ill Repute, and it was also co- co-curated uh, uh, by me and C. Swice, um, at that time, we took uh, five artists or artist teams and got them to look at um, uh fairly specific history. If you remember, 2011, uh, the city of Vancouver was celebrating its 125th uh, anniversary, and uh, we looked at it in a slightly different way, that is, what history was excluded, maybe, or what history wasn't valued as highly, and um, got some really good projects out of that, and then I uh, decided to look at the future. And the way we're asked to look at the future typically is in little chunks. For instance, the government looks about, like, 40 years ahead, really, to the point where um, new government has to be elected. Um, as uh, somebody who runs an arts organization, if I'm dealing with bureaucracy, they want to know what my five-year plan is. But we know that the, our actions and our vision persist way beyond the four or five-year span. Uh, so we, we're we encouraging artists to look at things that might, uh, might persist to another generation. Might have that sort of uh, that sort of significance, or might have a different idea of what what the future is. And the the yeah the the phrase "what future"? I mean, to me, it kind of comes from uh, being you know kind of a punk teenager, and was people say, asking me to phrase. think about my future, and me saying, "Yeah, what future?" <laughs> but in fact. You know it it can be looked at different ways it, it, your future is a choice and uh, your agency in, in in your future comes to some extent uh after you start thinking that there is possibly a future
0: and cease um her projects were actually kind of very uh in in a reverse as I mentioned earlier in a reverse from ill repute she had these very um, she has these very localized um, art, artists dealing with localized futures, and yeah,
3: that is very interesting.
0: And, and in and in Susanna Brown's work, um, you're not just looking at future generations of our planet; you're looking out beyond our planet. Can you tell us a little bit about that?
3: Right, Susanna Brown's project, A Perfect Day, is um, based on a song that's actually quite old. It's uh, written in uh, 1909, I think published in 1910. And it was a very popular uh, popular early 20th century song in the era where they weren't really selling recordings, they were selling sheet music. And so something had, in order to be popular, had to be a song that people were going to sing in their own parlors. And uh, so this song, A Perfect Day, is kind of bittersweet, Uh, It um, is very sentimental in line with what the Edwardian and Victorian popular songs were like. Um, One of the notable things is when um, uh, Carrie Jacobs Bond, who uh, wrote it, uh, her son later committed uh, suicide. Uh, while leaving a phonograph record of the song Perfect Day, playing over and over and over in, uh, in the room where he killed himself. But the temporality of the song, as far as the future goes, comes from the fact that we've contracted with a satellite communications company to send Susanna's new recording of this song uh, into deep space. And at the same time that we're sending it to Deep Space, we're also playing it on low-power radio locally around Unit Pit, so 89.7, just in the zero block uh, east ender. And, of course, it's available online at the same time. So it's this odd thing that's going to persist well into the future and across distances that are pretty difficult for us to... Uh, For most of us to imagine. And uh, it's entirely possible that, you know, if people ever travel uh, uh, faster than the speed of light, that they could intersect with this signal sometime in the future.
0: And and that seems to be like both uh, something that is more ephemeral and yet at the same time more permanent than anything we can kind of imagine. Um, in our current state. Now the, this uh, is going through uh, April 27th. Um, and then we also have another uh, final part of the series, Kevin Murphy.
3: Yes, Kevin Murphy's uh, piece is, again has this sort of geologic rather than astronomical time scale, but still fairly vast. Um, his piece, Atlantean timepiece. Is uh, it was originally envisioned as a public art project, um, one that unfortunately we don't have the uh, uh, we don't have the budget to support. Uh, but we will uh, display all the research and a maquette of it. It's um, addressing the idea of um, in the future uh, some part of Vancouver being overrun with water, and where the pit is. Um, situated. Uh, That's actually a pretty good uh, candidate for flooding because it was underwater at one time uh, where the Carroll Street Greenway goes. Uh, That was either marsh or submerged at various times, and it's been filled in, obviously, since Vancouver was settled. But the, um, the project itself, as envisioned, is a public clock that will tell you how long it's been since the area where the, where the clock is uh, has been underwater. And in order to do that, it would use a, a chemical mechanism, uh, a very big chunk of magnesium, which I guess is the only substance which would decay at a predictable speed once it was uh, submerged in seawater.
0: So it's so a way it to, would, sorry, it's a way to, um, it's a way to count uh, from the last flooding, and it kind of implies a flooding again, doesn't
3: it? It's the way to count, um, you know, as with the, um, Atlantis, which you know was hypothetically submerged forever. You would be able to count back and see how long it's been since uh, the since this part of the uh, part of the Chinatown was. Uh, was inundated by seawater. But what we'll be displaying is his research, his process, and a Cat, and probably a really nice book that's process-based that'll go with it.
0: Yeah, because you guys do a lot of publishing. You have uh, you are um, part of the uh, publishing collective, Lead a Publishing. Yeah, collective. Publication
3: Studio, which is uh, a network of uh, small on-demand publishers in. Portland, Los Angeles, San Francisco, Boston, Zoom uh, in London. There's one in France, and there's one in Sweden as well that are all publication studios. Uh, we did a book with um, Susanna's project, and we will be doing books probably with uh, both Kelly Roulette's project and the, PGF, the PJS collective Excellent. before I'm done uh the dates for those will be announced later on as we come to it as always we've taken on more work than we're capable of in a, in a compressed time frame but that's that's part of the wonder of the joy of working here excellent well um
0: you can find uh, these guys on facebook and uh online are you still helenpittgallery.org
3: Unitpet.ca, uh, U-N-I-T-P-I-T-T dot, ca, dot is the
0: easiest place to find us. Perfect. Okay, well, thank you so much for uh, coming by on the phone, there, Keith, and telling us a little bit about this project. I think um, from what I've seen, it, yeah, it's something that uh, really makes you think about the present uh, ju- as much as the future and, and where we're going. So um, kudos, and I look forward to the next installments.
3: Thanks, Megan. Always a pleasure.
0: Thanks so much. And you can also, at this time, from uh, the 15th to the 30th, check out Luminous Books, which is uh, a cl- like an extension of a bookstore uh, in London. And they, uh, you can go, you can buy books. It'll be over-changing. And uh, you can go and see some really rare and interesting curated texts and what future is running through may 4th what we're going to do now is we're going to listen to a song um a very special song the su- the song that Susanna brown is uh blasting into space and take a break and when we return we'll be talking about the current show at the black and yellow gallery as well as uh talking stick festival and before i let you go for a second only a second. I just want to mention our sponsor, Poster Loop. Uh, It's digital signage um, by a couple of pretty rad guys and ladies who uh, wanted to come up with a way to support community events and prevent a bit of waste at the same time, money and paper. So uh, we use Poster Loop at CITR and basically you you buy space for a month, you upload whatever at work you want as many times as you want. It's only events and... um, arts oriented community members um host the signage all around town you can check out all their information at posterloop.com and that has all the locations and then you're not competing with people who are doing something similar than you because i know the arts community is um very cross-promotional and it is very uh cross-supportive and we don't want to cancel each other out so thanks very much to PosterLoop for sponsoring uh the arts report and we will be returning in a few minutes
4: When you come to the end of a perfect day And you sit alone with your thought While the chimes ring out with a carol gay For the joy that the day has brought do you think what the end of a perfect day Can mean to a tired heart When the sun goes down with a flaming ray And the dear hearts have to part Well, this is the end of a perfect day Near the end of a journey too But it leaves a thought that is big and strong With a wish that is kind and true For memory has painted this perfect day With colors that never fade and we find at the end of a perfect day the soul of a friend we've made
5: march 2nd to the 23rd the 2013 Vancouver International Dance Festival invites you to experience the kinetic simulation of contemporary dance, delivered to you on stages throughout Vancouver by outstanding dance artists from New Zealand, Denmark, Switzerland, Zimbabwe, Mexico, Malaysia, Korea, Montreal, and Vancouver. Information and tickets are available online at www.vidf.ca or through our box office at 604 662 Four nine six six. In the year 1937, the UBC Radio Club was born. From this club arose a group of fine and respectable ladies and gentlemen keen on broadcasting their ideas to the world. 75 years later, CITR stands as one of the most respected and dignified institutions in the Vancouver community.
4: Hey, motherfucker! Oh.
5: Oh. Oh. oh! oh! oh my. Please donate to CITR's 2013 fund drive and help uphold this fine reputation of excellence. To donate, call 604 822 8648 or go online to www.citr.ca and our most sincere gratitude to all of you fine patrons.
0: You are back on the Arts Report. And uh, we have arts reporter extraordinaire Sarah Lapsley in studio. And she is going to tell us all about a little something that is happening right now at the Black and Yellow Gallery, which continues post Waldorf and we're just listening to Slow have not been the same. And why did you choose that for your for your report, Sarah? <laughs>
5: well, I guess it was sort of a shout out to Tom and Selmy, who is one of the co partners in the Waldorf Hotel. And because the black and yellow gallery used to be in the Waldorf Hotel on the second floor, they lost their space mm-hmm. recently. So, um, I'm not sure but it might be that the current show is the first show they're having in a different space? I don't know if it's two five seven East Seventh. That's is right. where they are now. And tell us uh, So tell us about the show. Yeah, well, um, I went to the opening. It opened February fifteenth, and so it's technically until March tenth, which is a Sunday. But actually, the gallery is only open Monday to Friday, nine to five, because um, it's in this sort of mixed use space that has like an architectural firm or something in there. So the last date you can see it is Friday, March eighth. Um, but yeah, I guess the curators were devastated sort of when the Waldorf had to close, um, but they were committed to seeing it live on. So I don't know if this is their permanent space, um, but they said we're one of the only spaces in the city where, you know, they'll give a chance to young artists. Um, and so they're very involved with sort of promoting young artists. So, um... The opening was really packed. I didn't really get a look at a lot of stuff, but sort of video works some paintings and other text-based works. And I guess they all have this sort of focus on the intersection between visual and text, written expression. Um, So one of the artists is Anna-Marie Repstock, and you can read about her at repstock.wordpress.com. And she sort of talks about relating her work to this Historical discourse that, you know, where painting was polarized with language based conceptual art. But she sort of sees them as connected because they're both kind of, quote, slippery and temporal. So she sort of does paintings of texts, uh, which is cool. Um, there's also Jacqueline Ross, she's an artist, writer, and musician based in Vancouver. Um, and she does a, works in a few mediums, painting, sculpture, performance, video, and text, so she might have been the one that made the video uh, work, but there was lots of people around, so I didn't get to see it. The other artist, Erin Catterall, did a really cool kind of electric light box that said LOL, um, so I enjoyed that. And last but not least that means,
0: is... That means lots of love.
5: Lots of love or of lots course. of laughs. laughs, right?
0: Laugh out loud.
5: Laugh out loud, okay. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> but you need to
0: investigate your text-based uh, communication. Yeah,
5: yeah, for sure I do. Um, the last artist is Liz Knox, and you can see her work at ca, and she's my cousin, so I'm very proud of her. Um, and so hers was the only contribution, which I actually spent some time looking at, but as some text that was sort of stenciled to the wall very meticulously, and she's very humble. It wasn't until I actually looked at her CV, sort of preparing for this, that I realized she has numerous shows and presented video works nationally and internationally, including Brooklyn and Russia. Um, So she's in the last semester of doing her master's at Emily Carr, and she's super bright and talented, and she's got a really sophisticated grounding in art theory that sort of informs her work. So she's my cousin, I'm really proud, and I think she'll make her mark in the art world. But so if you want to check out the show you can see it until March 8th it's on 257 East 7th Avenue that's just a block east from Maine the show is called Text Text Type and it's featuring artists Erin Catherall, Anna-Marie Repstock Jacqueline Ross and Liz Knox so check out the show and see some cool art and an interesting space um, and you can also look to blackandyellow.ca for more information
0: Thanks, Sarah. Thanks, Megan. Another excellent visual arts countdown. <laughs> 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 and uh, as uh, she mentioned, you can also um, you can check that out at blacknail.ca, and they are also on Facebook. Um, and uh, the it looks like. Um, yeah, so the new space is uh, at MAKE, an East Van Creative Agency, uh, which was offered uh, by the, the runners there, Sarah Tesler and Mary Kello. And uh, you can check them out uh, temporarily until they find a more, uh, a more permanent space. Okay, you know what I think we should do? Let's give away some tickets. So, uh, going on right now until the third, uh, we've mentioned before, is the Chutzpah Festival. You can check that out at chutzpahfestival.com with the CH. And uh, right now, going on is the world premiere of Haunted. It's the winner of the Canadian Jewish Playwriting Competition of 2011 starring uh, by Daniel Karazik and starring uh, Patrick Samungwe, uh Carrie Sandomirsky, Caramel Amit, and Kayla Dirksen. And it is directed by Katrina Dunn. It's a Touchstone Theater production. And uh, it is the story of uh, a woman who is in mourning, who uh, befriends uh, the young rabbi at her local synagogue, and then their friendship grows, as is wont to do. But the daughter suddenly claims to be spending time with her father's ghost. So Abby is the widower, David is the young rabbi, and Abby's daughter thinks she's seeing ghosts. So uh, Haunted was shortlisted for the Herman Voden National Playwriting Competition and has won a bunch of awards, as has Kerazic. And uh, it's a play about the rational and the mysterious unseen. You can check out more at Chuzma Festival. Dot com, And, uh, you know, if you would like to win some tickets, you can give us a call at 604-822-2487. That's 604-822-2487. And uh, you can also go online to our Mixcloud.com. You can just Google Mixcloud.com Arts Report, and you can see a uh, weighty oh. description uh, and interaction with uh, Sidra Bell Dance New York and Levy Dance, who performed Amp at the Chutzpah Festival. Now, uh, during the talk back which I recorded and edited together for your uh, pleasure, uh, Sidra Bell from Dance New York... Uh, talked a little bit about her connection to Chuspa, and I thought it was really interesting and relates to all the programming. So we're going to listen to Sidra Bal from the talk back, talk a little bit about um, these two troops and how they were connected to Chuspa, and then she says a little something that I think is uh, is really sweet about the festival. And while we're listening to that, someone can call in at 822-2487 and win some tickets to Haunted. Uh, which is playing uh, for the next few days. So tonight at 8 p.m. through the 3rd.
6: Yeah, I mean, honestly, Mary Louise and I met and we just like (laughs) fell for each other. (laughs) But I I do have some, uh, my father's, Grandparents were of Jewish descent, and then Dennis is Jewish. So <laughs> there's that sort of uh, basic connection. But I think this festival is bigger than that. It's yeah. about an international vision, um, a global vision, um, and bringing artists together. So that's how I connect to this experience of having been presented here a couple times. Um, and the functionality of having <laughs> lineage is obviously great, but it's, it's more about what we can share, especially because we're from the States, um, bringing something here. And then I've also done a lot of educational work in this community, so it was a natural fit um, to be here. So that's kind of the simple answer. <laughs> um, and the idea of chutzpah, I mean, I, I would hope that in my artistic life I could be bold in my choice making, always, that's what I aim for. Um, sometimes I don't succeed but I go for that I think Ben does as well there's a commitment and a, a rigor that I think Mary Louise looks for in her artists that she brings here, the musicians and all the things I've seen at the festival have had very strong direction and I think that's why we fit in
0: So Isidra Bell states a very strong direction for the Chospa Festival and give us a call at 822-2487. Win a couple of tickets to a really moving play. Um, And uh, we also, uh, going on right now is the Talking Stick Festival. Now, that is going on I, also until March 3rd, and uh, covers uh, modern, m- modern and traditional dance, music, theater, and art uh, from Indigenous peoples of uh, Canada and the Lower Mainland. Uh, now, uh, I had the pleasure of seeing uh, Tumit and I, uh, last week, and I will be also uh, enjoying Convergence this weekend. So uh, after Tumit ended, which is the one-person show by Renalta Arluk, and she uh, expands on the history of Sarah. She plays Sarah at many ages, as well as uh, Sarah's alcoholic boyfriend, uh, fiancé, and husband, David, her father, Eddie, Uh, Her grandmother, her grandfather, her grandfather's voice plays itself. And uh, this is uh, something that it started off a little stiff for the first, you know, three to five minutes. Um, Because it starts heavy. It starts right away. We learn that Sarah is pregnant. And of course, and David leaves and then unfolds her choice as to whether to keep the baby. And this has a lot to do with her history. She doesn't want to repeat her history once again. Um, you know, a cycle of abuse and alcoholism and single motherhood that um, I think is relatable to uh, many uh, cultures, socioe- socioeconomic cultures and individuals. So uh, it was a very moving and uh, I would say well performed, especially in the character work that Renata does. Uh, you really believe and get absorbed into these characters that she creates so, uh, this is Renalta and I talking a little bit right after the show about Tumit.
7: My name is Renalta Arlu. I'm the producer and uh, writer and the actor of Tumit, which is, uh, means tracks in Inuktitut. And I'm here, part of the 12th anniversary of the Talking Stick Festival here in Vancouver. It's a play about a woman, uh, a northern woman, um, who finds herself in a situation that's very familiar, as that's a situation that her mother was in, which was she's um, married to an alcoholic and she finds herself pregnant. And um, she kicks him out, so she's becoming ultimately what she never wanted to be, which was a single mother with an alcoholic father. And she's struggling with what she's uh, supposed to do with her life. And so she's in a, an apartment down south, and she starts packing it. And as she starts packing, her um, she starts looking back at her life and how she kind of ended up where she is. But the memories, they're good. Some of them aren't so good. And, and as you go along, you find what happened.
0: So as you strip down the apartment, you strip down layers of this person's story.
7: Yeah, with the materials, like the sheets, the, the uh, curtains, the, um, mostly sheets and blankets.
0: Now, uh, the fact that it's sheets and blankets, uh, and I think this is probably true of a lot of female women's stories, is there's a lot to do with the emotional and physical connections with the men in their lives. Mm -hmm. Sarah speaks to her grandfather, but that's actually your grandfather. For
7: real, it's my grandfather,
0: yeah. That obviously lent a lot of emotional weight. Um, Mm -hmm. uh, What other aspects of the story do you connect to on a personal level, and, and what aspects are ones that you find are maybe more universal and, and things that you've experienced through other people? Mm.
7: Um, Tombate is my first play that I've written and so I think what inspired it were all a lot, of, a lot of personal stuff started coming up like childhood memories of being on the land with my grandparents. Just the relationship, the fact that my grandparents uh, like Sarah has grandparents that are important to her my grandparents are very important to me. Um, the father relationship. Um, I call it like I'm a fatherless daughter type of thing and, and but just Uh, and just the connections to like how people are where we're from which is very unapologetic, very gruff but very real and um, so I think that stuff was all very true to me and to my upbringing and and to where I'm from and then I think um, having just to make it more dramatic to expand on those relationships and then starting to see where the pains are and where the hurts can can come from and then um, to kind of but keep it real enough for, the, where people can connect to those characters and understand them and relate to them and actually f- see themselves, in the people that are there. It's like if you're born in a certain class, are you just doomed to be in that class the whole time? It's hard to get out when you're born in in a situation that way, and you know, and and so, but yeah, you know, we hu- I I love humanity. I love humans and. I think that's where the univers- universality comes from. It is that um, we strive, we we break down, we surrender, we crawl back up, we fight some more, we try to connect, we fail at connecting, and and I think that that's um, that's a lot of that in there. But then you know sometimes we succeed, and tracks you know cycles can be broken, and I believe in that. Mm-hmm.
0: Can you tell me a little bit about the process of embodying this young Sarah and uh, Sarah's father, you know, uh, how did you find the nugget, you know, that made that so authentic?
7: Mm. I kind of visualized them, what they look like, but I had a really great director, Kate Weiss, and she's originally from Vancouver, but she's living in Edmonton now. And so what we did was we would just kind of explore physicalities, like gestures, mm-hmm. like Eddie, punch, you know, Eddie's a violent man, He's he's got a lot of that in them, so he punches his hand. Um, young Sarah, she's just really frenetic and super fun and cute. I call her superhero Sarah. Mm-hmm. I, I mean, if she could make the whole show for her, she would. Mm-hmm. Um, young and like Sarah' as an adult is very grounded and very like she's not she she goes on the journey of where she doesn't know what she's doing till actually like then she really knows what she's doing. And I think that's very wonderful. David, I never David is only new for this draft. I've done this mm. show twice and okay. David was just always on the other side of the door. So this is the first time David has been on stage and David said words. So that's the one where I'm still kind of like okay you're tall okay Mm -hmm. you're You're not looking up to him yeah you're angry you know you're you know you're not really that
0: made sense for me with the character because you do have this very strong character so what is the type of person that would be able to kind of subsume her so much yeah now what made you choose to bring David to life in that way uh, mostly
7: because people were wondering about him. Mm-hmm. Like, why does she love David? Like, why why does she choose to be with David? And so it's like, well, the, I guess these are questions that we need to really address. And we can only do that if he's, he's there. And to so that the audience can see the relationship between Sarah and David and why she loved him and why he loved her or the relationship that, you know, they're having this child. and And we needed to hear his side a little bit. So...
0: Now, um, has Kate been with you from the beginning for this story? She
7: has. Yeah, Tumit was like, um, it was more metaphorical, less. I've really fleshed it out, but she's been with it since the beginning.
0: Tell me about the kernel that grew into Tumit. Like, <laughs> what? What was the moment when you say, you know, this is kind of the form. This is the story I want to tell.
7: Mm-hmm. I think the Eddie scene, the mm-hmm. one, the conversation between Sarah and Eddie, is like a really solid scene, and it really hasn't changed since the first draft. And and that um, just made me go, there's something between this relationship, between this man and this woman. And then her being pregnant is kind of like, all right, there's something about with David, with Eddie, with, with Sarah, and really trying to figure out what she's going to do with her life. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. So has uh, showcasing this in different areas and to different audiences, has that been part of the process of kind of developing it? What are some of the responses that you took to heart and and incorporated into the piece?
7: Mm. It was very important that Tumit be done in the North first because it's a northern... I never wanted to label it a northern play, and I did not want to di- label it an aboriginal play. Mm-hmm. I'm aboriginal, I'm northern, and I wrote the story, but I'm not the all aboriginally, all northern. So uh, when we performed it in Yellowknife, I just said, this is a play that I wrote, and I'd like you to give me, see it and fe- give me feedback. And, you know, people said, this is absolutely a northern play, and this is absolutely an aboriginal production. And so I let my community kind of associate and connect to it and give their little thoughts on it and that meant a lot to me so when i came down south with it i was like yeah it's an aboriginal plan it's a northern play
0: do you have a history with the talking stick festival how did you hook up with them
7: last year i organized the professional development workshops oh, okay. and i do that this year too oh,
0: okay great and t- can you just give me a, a little bit of, of what that process is
7: ah it's um you do so, prof- like, a lot of these festivals now, you can take master classes and panels and workshops mm-hmm. and take advantage of the artists that are visiting. So, what we've done is we put together these, like, master classes. So, there's a master th- uh, class for theatre with the Audenock. And then there's um, two, master dance, uh, two professional dance classes with uh, uh, Laura Kramer and Rosie Simas, And then we do these panels of, like, um, grant writing mm. or producing on a budget or how to tour Um,
0: the nitty gritty
7: yeah (laughs) like business stuff Mm. that artists you know we have to be adaptable and learn these kind of things you know and then we have um, sharing perspectives like what is aboriginal theater to all of us that are in multidisciplinaries and kind of stuff so just creating little breathing spaces so that we can we can also learn from each other learn new techniques take advantage of what's around us and and it's open to, to everybody, not just Aboriginal people, and it's all by donation. Okay. So, yeah, make sure if you're interested, just go on the website under the professional development and sign up. It's so good. It's so good.
0: Well, speaking of professional development, a core lesson or two that you've learned about putting on a one-person show um, that's obviously quite successful? Mm. I,
7: one thing I've kind of discovered is don't be afraid to challenge your characters. So, like, you know, Eddie gets mad at Sarah, and Sarah reacts, and then she gives it back to Eddie, and, and it's it's funny. It's like, oh, God, all right, that's interesting.
0: Because um, when you control both characters, it's easy for you to maybe go easy on, on yeah. the, the main character, your your character. You have yeah. to invest in all of them.
7: Yeah, because you do, because you have to be committed and, and present to each one. So I think that was – that's actually the fun part, mm-hmm. where you kind of go, yeah, I can give it to you, and, and then – going to take it and give it back to you and then i'm going to take it and 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 so you're kind of juggling your own your own balls in the air yeah so i think that's enjoyable i like that a lot and i like the darkness of the characters where you know in life we don't get to be that way Mm -hmm. and um so sometimes it's just nice to be those people
0: and one last question. I just wanted to know about um, if you could name a, the biggest surprise. Like during this journey of developing the show and performing it, can you give me a little insight into one of the biggest surprises that was revealed to you along your journey?
7: Um, you know what really surprised me in Edmonton when we did a canoe was Sarah. I myself don't have my shit together as much <laughs> as Sarah does. Because like, mm-hmm. I struggled with having a child. I mean, there's a lot of truth in that. And, and the fact that Sarah, at the end of the play, goes, I'm going to have this child no matter, even if I'm just doing the same thing as my mother, I'm just going to do it. That takes a lot of courage. And, and Sarah actually has her shit together more than I do. Mm-hmm. And I look at her and I go, fuck, that's kind of amazing.
0: Thank you so much for your time. Hey,
7: thank it. you. Masicho.
0: And as usual, I totally forgot there were a few cusses in there at the end, but I think that they are illuminative cusses because uh, it's a really dark but strong, hopeful play, um, but it is adult content only, 16 plus. So um, that is over. Uh, we did post that interview online as well uh, last week on Sunday uh, just so that people could hear it uh before they saw the last show, but you can uh, check out um, Rinalda online at Epic Theatre on Facebook. Um, so the festival runs, uh, as I mentioned, until March Third, So uh, I'm excited to uh, get to see a few more shows like uh, Convergence, which is a dance program uh, this weekend, uh, and uh, there's some really great music going on after. After the show, we got to see um, uh, a few local performers um, like Chris from ESL, and they did some really uh, beautiful cello and voice work. And so stick around after the shows for any music that they might have. There's also a historical uh, collection of past Talking Stick performances. Um, So Convergence, Currents of Contemporary Aboriginal Dance, um, is at March 1st, uh, 2013. Uh, So this weekend, 8 p.m. at the Roundhouse. Uh, And you can check that out online. All the shows are, most of the shows are at the Roundhouse, but some are all over. So check out. Fullcircle.ca slash performances for everything that's going on. And I wanted to uh, do a few announcements. First of all, next week, March 6th, is our Fun Drive show. If you want to donate right now, if you can't even wait, if you want an instant tax receipt, please go uh, online. You can check us out on Facebook. I have linked to our page, tinyurl.com slash arts fun drive how easy is that um you can also follow us on twitter to find the event um so please listen uh, i'm gonna have lots of great prizes tickets to the vancouver international dance festival paul anthony dvds patrick sampler signed books uh and more dvds and fun things that i found around the station and have collected over the year it has been a year and it has been a really wonderful experience with you all so um, some of the things we did at the art support this year, um, we have two extra shows, arts project that happens, and that is a place where people can um, try out their spoken word hosting, they can go in depth into projects that really matter to them in the arts community, and we can play extended interviews. Uh, and we also have UBC Arts on air, who will be live March 6, and you can call in and win um, to be determined as well as lots of CITR swag there's some amazing swag we are getting new totes and new t-shirts and buttons and balloons and it's going to be amazing um, and that is uh, UBC arts on air looks at arts projects and arts uh, people at UBC and is really interesting uh, if you are at all interested in arts education and production authors radio people teachers um, we have the dean coming up in a few minutes uh, this was actually the show that would have was preempted last week, so I wanted to put it on so you can all podcast that in UBC Arts on Air. So that is happening on March 6th uh, from 5 to 6 p.m., and hopefully we're going to have some special guests as well. I'll announce them on Facebook uh, Facebook.com slash artsreport or Twitter.com, C-I-T-R underscore report. so I'll announce those, but I'm hoping to have some of my favorite funny guys and ladies in. And speaking of ladies... Friday, March 8th is the International Women's Day, and uh, we will be hosting eight uh, sorry, 12 hours from 8 to 8 on the 8th of All Female Identified Voices. So we are going to have uh, women's support centers, uh, musicians. Uh, we're going to have the um, EWMPA come in. Um, we are going to have uh, the... Uh, a Girl's Vinyl Club come in, hosted by Sarah Cordingly, your music director. We will have um, music by the student exec, and uh, we're going to do a special all-ladies Discorder radio show. So uh, check us out. Uh, you can go to citr.ca uh, for more information, or uh, there's an event on Facebook, so click through the Arts Report Facebook or facebook.com slash citrradio. And finally, uh, at the end of the day on Friday, it will be the end of our fun drive. And so we are hosting the uh, CITR and Mint Records Pop Alliance release. There's going to be an amazing silent auction with a bunch of local uh, goodies, uh, everything from yoga to theater to uh beautiful Herschel backpacks and uh, shoes from Fluvog and music uh, from local bands to win and raise a little money for CITR. Our goal is $30,000. And we need, uh, you know, there's, we need a new board at CITR. Um, A lot of our, uh, a lot of our boards in our recording studios, which are getting used more than ever, because of all the amazing uh, students and volunteers that have started to come through in the past couple of years. Um, But that stuff doesn't last forever, folks. And if you have ever been annoyed by a buzz, if you have ever wondered why the, the online feed isn't working, that is because we are a community radio station on a low budget. And you can help, you know, just like $10 um a $20, um $101.9. Whatever you can spare to help us out, um, we pass on to you through alternative media coverage and love. Just right in my heart. And that is the arts report for today. Uh, thank you so much to Poster Loop, our sponsor, who you can check out at posterloop.com. They are digital signage all over the place um thank you to sarah lapsley in the black and yellow gallery uh as well as Aruc, uh and keith higgins of what future and chutzpah festival for giving away some tickets we did have uh, someone call in and win so lucky lucky them coming up next is ubc arts on air and we will be talking to dean uh, avril and associate dean giltrow about the value of an arts degree stay tuned
1: CITR and Mint Records present
5: The Pop-A-Line's Volume 3 Release Party, Friday, March 8th at Chapel Arts with
4: performances by Movie Land, Peace, Gal Grayson, Babysitter, Sleuth, and more. This nocturnal
7: celebration is the finale of CITR's 2013 fun drive, including a silent auction, two stages, and freshly pressed limited edition copies of our Pop Alliance Volume 3 compilation.
6: CITR's fun drives from February 28th to March 8th. To donate, go to www.catr.ca or call 604 822 8648. That's 604 822 8648.
3: And thanks for supporting Community Radio.
5: March 8th from 8 a.m. to 8 p.m., CITR will celebrate International Women's Day with 12 hours of programming and music chosen by and featuring female-identified voices. Feminist artists and organizations will be highlighted as we challenge gender norms and play some killer tunes. This event also concludes CITR's 2013 Fun Drive. Your donations will help us support groups and voices that have been marginalized by the mainstream media. Submit your questions, suggestions, and testimonials at arts at citr.ca.
4: Marie-Joseph Angelique was the name given by her last owners to a Portuguese-born black slave in New France. She was tried and convicted of setting fire to her owner's home, burning much of what is now referred to as Old Montreal. It has recently been argued that she was, in fact, innocent of the crime, and convicted more on the basis of her perception as a rebellious runaway slave than on the basis of factual evidence. A competing theory is that she was guilty of the crime as an act of justified rebellion against slavery. Many authors see her as an immortal avatar of liberation and prefer naturally to see her as an active rebel. Others find her just as inspiring as an exceptional, outspoken, independent-minded woman who fought for her freedom and her life against formidable odds and in spite of a society that expected submission from women, especially if they were also black and slaves.
0: This PSA was brought to you in support of Black History Month on CITR 101.9 FM.